and welcome to the What A Jazz Junction podcast. I'm Chris. And today I'm chatting with Jess Gillum. So, time for a classical mashup. Hello, 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 and welcome to episode three of series nine of the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. And I can't believe we're already nearing the end of January. Where does the time go? As always, if you like what you hear, do let a friend know and make sure to subscribe. And even give us one of those star ratings if you fancy. Um, And don't forget to check out the show notes uh, for extra info and useful links. Elsewhere, and for the live music lovers amongst us, while the early bird tickets are gone, you can still buy a general admission to see the Tony Kofi Quintet playing the awesome music of Cannibal Adley on the 12th of February here in Watford. Hurrah! Plus, as if I need to remind you, but our full May 2022 festival lineup is announced and tickets are on sale right now. So get amongst it at whopperjazzjunction.com. Now, to business. Today, I am joined by a musical force of nature, recipient of a classical Brit, BBC Radio 3's youngest ever presenter, as well as being a television presenter, the first ever saxophonist to be signed to Decca Classics, achiever of a number one album of the UK classical music charts. She's also the host of the UK's second most amazing musical commentary podcast, This Classical Life, which is available on BBC Sounds. It can only be the sensational Jess Gillam MBE. Jess, hello, how are you? Hello, thank you so much for having me, and I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm tip top, tip top. Um, We're recording this just before Christmas, so I think I'm in that sort of wind down, go crazy phase. It's like, "Ah, who who knows? (laughs) Where are you up to at Christmas? I know this will be a bit weird for people listening in January, but uh, have you been full at it? Yes, it's been pretty full on. A few more days left and then start that wind down thing but I'm I've got gigs just after Christmas so it's always a funny one Christmas because as a musician you're it's one of the busiest times of year but at the same time you just want to do some kind of non-pressure practice put the instrument in the case and enjoy your time but you still know you need to get it out yeah no I, I, I always think that about musicians there's never a sort of day off it's a bit like keeping livestock or something even on Christmas day I suspect you the saxophone comes out right um in fact with Christmas in mind were you not doing the um Nordorf Robbins carol concert last week yes yeah oh it was a great night yeah. Go on, do some name dropping. Yeah, Rod Stewart was playing Imelda May, and then there were readings. Rory Bremner was doing a reading. Nice. And then there's an online version, which has been hosted by Niall Rogers. Yeah. And, I mean, the online version has got a crazy lineup. I mean, you've got Eurythmics, all kinds. Wicked. Yeah. Well, if you're missing yeah. Christmas, kids, just, just flip back onto the YouTube and you can catch up with where we are a whole month later, so to speak. Um, well, that's very exciting, moreover. Um, whereabouts in the world are you? Where are you sitting and talking to me from? I'm actually at home, which is a slight novelty. So I'm in the south of England, uh, nice. not in Bedfordshire. Nice! Yeah. Right, <laughs> now I'm going to do to you what I think you might do to other guests. I'm going to ask you a few incidental questions as we go through the interview. So your first quick incidental, Jess, is poetry or a novel? Oh, a novel. Done. Okay. I'll put the incidentals away for a moment. Oh, what's your backstory? And I'm talking like when you were very little. Was it always going to be music? I first picked up a saxophone when I was seven. And pretty little. I, yeah, I was pretty little and it was an alto. So it was, you know, I was pretty little. <laughs> <laughs> and I picked it up because my um, dad, so my mum and dad run a cafe. Yeah. That's their main main job. But my dad were, used to be a drummer in an indie rock band, loves loud guitar music. Nice. And... 
so he kind of stopped drumming but he was uh, a percussion teacher and drummer for a center called the Barracudas Carnival Arts Center right and I went to work with him twice a week tried out everything that was on offer there the drums dancing costume making stilts <laughs> and finally yeah I was rubbish I, I was rubbish <laughs> but finally the saxophone and I was hooked um from age seven so I was yeah pretty young and then you sort of, did you do grades and all that type of thing or did you take your time I mean how how, how what was the journey of proficiency um so that the carnival band was it was a kind of samba band, Brazilian inspired, but playing a real range of stuff. Yeah. So I started there for three years in, in group lessons, nothing too serious. Yeah. And then when I was about uh, 10, I started lessons with a brilliant local jazz saxophone player, Jimmy Morgan. Oh, and let's give a shout out to started, Jimmy Morgan. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, to Jimmy Morgan. Um, and then, and that wasn't anything to do with grades or anything. Yeah. And then started having lessons on a kind of... Um, primary tuition scheme which was more grade focused mm, mm. and then started taking the grades when I was about 11 but I didn't I wasn't someone who went through every grade I did a few of them and just did one, yeah. one and eight and uh, what, what more did you want right? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> um, and then did you go to music college what was your uh, so I went to the junior Royal Northern yeah uh, which is run by Karen Humphreys and then I just graduated when was it was in lockdown so times warped I think it was 2020 from Guildhall studying yeah. with John Howe. Uh, yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Oh, well, he might pop up later. You never know. Um, moreover, I mean, I mean, listeners can probably tell, but I can see Jess uh, and her beaming smile. Um, and my question is, you strike me as a, an overtly chipper soul. Is this always been the case? Are you just a happy person or are there, are there sadder, darker days? Not that I want to drag you down. <laughs> um... Oh, I've never thought about that, really. I used to be a lot more shy. I think music has definitely been something that's that's given me a, a kind of taught me how to communicate and yeah. given me a lot of um, kind of optimism. And I get to be part of some amazing things and meet brilliant people, which is really inspiring. But I mean, there are definitely, you know, you hear so many stories of musicians who are um, bright, lovely the happiest person in the world having the greatest time they go home and they're an absolute idiot yeah i try not to be an idiot but you know there's two sides all the time <laughs> hey i think i i think i've got a strong idiot setting myself anyway uh, oh look it's quick incidental time theater or cinema i don't go to either very much i'd love to go to more theater there you go then um so uh something that some people may have heard about um you did uh, a scratch orchestra during lockdown or even maybe scratch orchestras how did that come about? I mean, you've presumably got enough on your plane. Yes. Well, it was in um, March 2020, right at the beginning, yeah. where I thought my diary started crumbling away. Mm. And I thought I'd like to do something to try and help. And I thought, you know, I went through all the things. Should I go and volunteer? Should I do this? And I thought, well, I'll do something that I know I can do. Yeah. Music. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stick to that. And I thought, I, I just, I really felt for all the young musicians in particular who were going to be missing out on being in the bands and being in the orchestras, forming bands together, being part of bigger bands. I mean, that's just the best thing about music at that age is making friends through it and playing and making a massive sound with other people. Yeah. So I thought, is there some some way of trying to get people together? And I thought maybe 50 people 
Max to sort of be interested. And I sort of set it up a little thing Go on. on my own. Didn't didn't have any team, nothing. I was watch. I put all the parts up to download, and I could see how many people were downloading it. And on the night that I put up the parts, seven hundred people had downloaded it. And I thought, Sweet what am I Lord. doing here? Yet within 12 hours and I thought what is how am I going to do this so luckily um the producer I work with a lot he kind of helped so much stepped in (laughs) and we had just under a thousand people who recorded it and and took part in that first one which was from right across the world across all instruments yeah all instruments everything from boom whackers to you know harp (laughs) I absolutely love it and I and I applaud you for it and have you stayed in touch with any of the people is it sort of carried on on and off or was it very much of that lockdown time it was kind of of that lockdown time mm. we did we did three in that year but then um i'm really i'd really like to try and do a real life version of it because so many people said we'd like to you know i'd i mean someone they, i think they were in um they were in canada and they said genuinely i will get on a plane and come to england to meet these people and to do this oh. because it's what music does it's like the it's like a glue it. isn't it you, know, it. you could do like one together. of those live aid things where you've got like the screen in canada the screen in melbourne and the screen in munich or whatever and then <laughs> and then trafalgar square and you could all play live together but still be in your respective nations anyway oh, it's yeah, fantastic well we should watch this space jess yeah, I hope something does uh, does manifest itself. Whilst I'm thinking about you sort of organising and, and, and being in, in charge of things and whatnot, what's it like being on Radio 3? Um, Do you like it? It's great. I love it. It was quite a surprise to me to, to end up doing it. Um, it came out of... Um, BBC asked me to do a podcast about BBC One Musician after I'd been a part of that yeah. um, a few years ago. And that was about... Um, life as a young musician Mm -hmm. and I made it with a couple of friends and we interviewed musicians about every aspect of of life as a musician from you know um, the mental well-being side to practicing scales and and then they said do you want to work on a show that will be more regular and I'd not done any training not really had any experience in it and I thought yeah you know I'll try it why not and I love it because it's like it's like playing, but it's a different strand. It's still communication, telling stories, meeting people, but just a different, it's your voice instead of your sound. So yeah, yeah I love it. Brilliant. No, you have an infectious voice. I can understand why people enjoy listening to you. A quick incidental, favourite ABBA song. Oh, favourite ABBA song. I mean, there's only one right answer as far as I'm concerned. What, what's your right answer? Intermezzo. It, oh! Anyway, you can go for Mamma Mia. Oh. I mean, there's nothing like a classic. You've got it. Um, but I think Abra is a sort of safe <laughs> space to meet from whatever musical background you enter. You yeah, no, it's true. Hence, it's hence true. probably why it came yeah. to my head. Right, Cumbria. <laughs> um, and this is where you grew up, right? In Alverton. Something else I've discovered about you that you've had a, a real drive and an effort to bring international musicians to your, your home county, your hometown. Where did that come from? Well, um, I started that quite young, actually. Um, I went to watch a gig. It was Snake Davis playing in... Um, it's either Workington or Whitehaven, somewhere in the north of Cumbria. 
And I said to him, oh, at the time I was 11, yeah. and it was the most exciting thing in the world, finishing school early, going to do a saxophone workshop, going to watch the saxophone play, and I'd never heard saxophone played like that in real life, and it was just one of those times. I said to him, oh, you know, I'm from Ulverston, which is so far away from here. It'd be great if you could come and come and play in Ulverston. And he said, well, well, you know, if you book me, I'll come. And so I took him quite literally. And um, when I was 12, set it up and got the, the local media were hugely supportive and book, I booked the local hall and he came to play. And then from then on, it just kind of grew into a bigger thing and something I still do now. And we've had um, Courtney Pine, Tommy Smith's Youth Jazz Orchestra, all kinds of people come and play, classical and all different types. And it's just, I, I come from a really supportive community in town. Yeah. So to be able to be a part of that community is really, yeah, special. Amazing. So, yeah. Uh, it sounds like the snake maltings of the north. The um, How big is your <laughs> concert hall? How many people are sitting down to what? Uh, so there's different configurations, but it's a, it's an old, it's not used enough actually for music, but if you've got seating, you're looking about 600. Wow. It's not, it's not absolutely huge, but no, it's a really that's nice That's not tiny. Size, I mean, that's a, that's no, a fair number tiny. to fill out. Yeah. Check you out. Yeah. Festival promoter from 12. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> All right. Okay, quick incidental time. Drop an instrument entirely from a symphony orchestra. You know, my honest answer yeah. just it would be too unpopular. The clarinet. What? Podcast ends here. That's it, Gillum. You're out. What? I, but I love... I love the clarinet in the context of an orchestra sometimes, but for me, often I'm just thinking, imagine if that was a saxophone. <laughs> oh, I love <laughs> you know, it. Like, imagine, imagine if that was a soprano saxophone. Yeah. And then... No, I, I often think the same, and I'm listening to Sidney Bechet, but in reverse, listening to it on, on, a, on, a, on a soprano sax sometimes, <laughs> saying, dude, just get your clarinet back out. <laughs> right. You are up to almost 100 episodes of this Classical Life podcast, which is no mean feat. How much time does the, does the broadcasting take up? And what is the balance that you're, you're striking as a professional musician between that, between the media and the music? It, mu- it must be on your mind all the time. It is, and it's sometimes quite hard to carve out proper time for things. And I'm someone who likes to spend... I'm quite meticulous about things and a bit of a perfectionist, so I don't like to rush something and think oh it's fine I've got that so I try and kind of schedule out time um but I am lucky in that the show is a pre-record so I can I can do it and record a bunch of episodes when I'm not touring and focus on it and then go back to that and change between the headspaces but yeah it's a constant balance keeping up the energy for all of it in the way that that suits you and doesn't because ultimately there's just one you right you 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 discover in life right and you have to be quite quite on it and honest um you've had some fab guests on the show um and also a handful of straight ahead jazzers like uh, Cassie Kenoshi uh, Rob Luft um, and some crossover artists as well um, who are familiar in both worlds, classical and jazz, like Abel Sarachoy uh, and Ayana Witter-Johnson, who we were talking about before we started recording. How porous do you see the relationship between classical music and jazz? I see it as quite fluid. I think because I'm a saxophone player, which gives me a kind of on-the-edge view about things anyway, because for me, the saxophone is an instrument, it was designed as a military instrument and was quite classical in its kind of right. inception and then was totally adopted by 
the jazz world and that's where it has its history and its roots in dance music and in blues and in jazz and that's what people kind of mainly associate the instrument with and it's where it, it found its home um you read what classical composers thought of the instrument and it was always on the fringes i mean a, a couple of them loved it but it was never kind of accepted but then for me the saxophone has it's kind of got this enigma thing about it in that because it is so vocal and the sound so malleable it does sit in so many different um styles and now i think the way that we listen and the way that we kind of try and view the world as well as music is without too much yeah, categorization yeah, yeah. and for me it I, I can say i'm a classical saxophone player but it doesn't really describe what i do because i don't play what is classed as classical music because the instrument for a lot of it wasn't even invented and for some of it the composers hated the instrument um and then there are some amazing pieces where the composers wrote brilliantly for the instrument and it's definitely 100 yeah. percent classical instrument but it's not like let's say and i'm a solo classical violinist it's just a different thing so for me it's kind of fluid and yeah it's the, the, it's, the, re the repertoire essentially it's got to be 20th century or 21st century uh, and therefore there all those composers will have been already aware of jazz let alone other art forms that are going on and, and therefore it, it, it's sort of it's not even a chicken and egg it's, it's just this huge mix right so but it does bring me on to another question which I was thinking about um, when I was looking at the classical saxophone repertoire before chatting to you um, and if one does go onto the wikipedia you will discover that the classical repertoire for soprano tenor and baritone sax added together equals the music written for just alto. Why, why do you think so many composers or classic composers choose the alto saxophone when, when they're writing, given the fact that the tenor saxophone is well known to be the best saxophone? And the soprano is the one with such a kind of emotional Oh, yeah, I mean, there's also, I mean, um, and baritone's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And baritone, yeah. <laughs> but no, what, what do you think it is about the alto? Um, why do people sort of turn to that more often? I'm not sure. I think that people probably see it as having a kind of... Um, it's interesting, you know, you think about a string quartet, you've got violin, yeah. viola um, and cello and the viola repertoire compared to the violin and cello repertoire is tiny. But then the alto is like the viola, so I've never really oh, understood it because if you... Yeah, I, I don't fully get it. And for me, I mean, I love alto, but it's um, that's not where I think. I think if a lot of the pieces had been written for soprano or for tenor, with its richness and kind of, if you're looking at something like a a, a cello sonata, you play you you know you hear that on tenor saxophone can really work. It it doesn't make too much sense to me, but I guess it's just kind of what people think of when they think of saxophone. Is that's very interesting, tenor. isn't it? It's very 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 funny. So I mean, if you're listening, classical composers, there is there's definitely a value to be added in in thinking more about the soprano, tenor and baritone saxes. Um, incidental question time. Jan Garbarek or John Hall? Oof. Oof. Oh. 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 For what? For you. <laughs> I'm taking oh, the both. you big I mean, I, I, I love them both. Yeah. All right. No. I mean, I have to say John Hall, he's been my teacher and I've well, learned so yeah. much from him, but... But Jan Garbrecht's sound is... is it's double I mean, sick, isn't it? Come on. All right, I'm going to have to throw another yeah. incidental question at you then to make up for the failure on that one. Um, if you could play another instrument to the level that you play the saxophone, which one would you choose and why? Um, this changes all the time. 
I think I'd like to play the guitar or the piano. I think I'd like to play a social instrument where you can go and sit in a band with other people and and be able to play chords and be able to go to a pub or to anywhere and and have an instrument that can like bring people yeah yeah together. oh I, yeah, I totally get social. that i totally get that um of course yeah. the sub the subtext to that answer is the saxophone is an anti-social instrument <laughs> oh. so listen i was ill in hospital this time last year and it's very much in my mind because it's a year to the sort of day type thing that i got out of hospital with stupid covid um but my sleepless nights while i were there i discovered were not being filled by jazz but were being filled by you know mendelssohn elgar arvo pear all these lovely people, Britain, etc. Um, and it occurred to me that solace for me was to be found in classical music, not always jazz. I mean, shh, don't tell my listeners. But I'm just interested, do you have another musical art form beyond classical music that you that you sort of tend to turn to uh, on the side or in a complimentary fashion? I, I listen to classical music, but it's not kind of my main listening diet. I love, love neo-soul, love... Um, ah. I love listening to words. I listen to a lot of radio, and that's where what I would t- if I was looking for some solace, it'd be in words, yeah. which is kind of odd. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, this is very interesting. As we approach Jess, what I can only describe as Gillum's Hard Choices Super Ten Quiz. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, you've got ten questions. Question one: Beche or Bach? Bach. Question two, drum kit or timpani? Drum kit. Question three, Stefan Grappelli or Anne-Sophie Mutter? Grappelli. Question four, John Coltrane or Frederick Chopin? Coltrane. Halfway stage. Question five, Marmite or Marmalade? Marmite, 100%. Strong delay. Question six, and we shall be very interested in your answer, Radio 3 or Radio 4? Ah. Don't 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 look at me like that. <laughs> Three and four. Three point five. No, oh, that's the way to play. <laughs> Question seven. Operas or organ works? Oh, mm. Opera. Ooh. Question eight. Late night jazz or last night of the proms? Late night jazz. Ooh. Question nine. You are on record for choosing B as your favourite note. Am I? You are. But you must now choose your second favourite note. Will it be A, E or F sharp? Um, E. Nice. I see what you've done there. And question 10, in in what I can only describe as the final question. Who is your favourite almost Gillum? Is it Monty Python's Terry Gilliam? (laughs) Actress Karen Gillum? Actor Aidan Gillen, the store hobbit Gollum, or the soft silver metal Gallium. Gallium. Oh, I always, <laughs> I always, always have a soft touch for the old silver metal. Brilliant. Right. Let me just add up your scores there. Um, so it was obviously out of a hundred. Well, we had the, the the split choice. Oh, scores! It was of scored. Course. We had the split choice there between three and four radios, which was a cop out bit of time spent on that i'm gonna give you 96 which i tell you what is really high um and it does put you top of uh the jess gillum hard choices super 10 quiz leaderboard wow i mean that is i'm top and bottom though aren't i it depends how you see it and i would go glasses yeah 
<laughs> it's very good. It's very good. And I was impressed. So, uh, my set question. Music can play an indisputable role in altering your perspective on society. But music also offers a refuge when society seems overwhelming. Is there a balance to be struck between seeking out music that challenges as well as music that comforts? Discuss. I think this is really interesting because um, we're living in a world where there is so much music everywhere all the time and it's really, really easy now to always be comfortable in what we're listening to and I know I'm guilty of it of just um, knowing what I like and putting that album on and listening to it on repeat and there's something really special about that and I think for me the the thing to try and um, cultivate and to encourage is is a kind of critical listening as much as possible so listening to stuff that you know you're not going to en- or you think you're not going to enjoy or listening to something but always thinking okay yeah, why yeah. why do I like what I'm listening uh. to why don't I like that and then you're kind of finding out more about you, you kind of listen in a different way and you're listening curiously rather than I know I'm not going to like this so I don't know why I'm listening you listen okay I'm listening out for this and more often than not you walk away thinking actually I could listen to that again and I could find something different in it. But I think we're not curious enough sometimes when we yeah. listen. Oh, what a fabulous answer. Yeah, I'm going to give you the extra four points that you were missing, which gives you a full 100 out of 100. <laughs> I've never even scored the discussion question before. <laughs> I'm giddy, Jess. Right. Top three <laughs> album time. Which albums do you go back to again and again? Black Star by David Bowie with Donnie McCaslin. Oh, yeah, that's like a... That's a top one for me. Nice. Album two. This isn't in any sort of order, by the way, but we need a second album. Uh, What's Going On? Marvin Gaye. Nice. Is that the, that's the name of the album, isn't it? Yeah, what's it going is. Yep, yeah, nice. And... We've got space for one more. Space for one more. I'm going to go back to... I'm going to go for Porter's Head. Oh, are you? Dummy. They're cool. I was at university in Bristol once upon a time and we had this sort of cool vibe going on where you could be in the pub with Massive Attack and then the next night you'd be hanging out with Porter's Head. And they. I just remember I used to play with their bass player. Pretty good bass player, you know, like in a jazz sense. I can't remember, but I asked a really naive question, like, are you busy or something? And he went, yeah, I'm quite busy. I've got this band. And I'm like, oh yeah, are they any good? What a pranny. Anyway, we're loving that. Uh, and what a great choice. And for the record, uh, that's our first Porter's Head recommendation on What for Jazz Junction. Um, it might even be our first Marvin Gaye. We've, we've definitely had a David Bowie in the past, but what a brilliant, brilliant triumvirate, Jess. Okay, finally, it is time to sort our house band. Some say, as I always do, that it's the most eclectic and extraordinary fantasy band in podcast show business. We've got... Bill Evans on the piano, Elvin Jones on the drum kit, Charles Mingus on bass, Alex Garnett on tenor, Joe Templey on the bass saxophone, John Hassel on trumpet, Mark Nightingale on trombone, and we've currently got three singers with Norma Winston, Carmen McRae and Betty Carter on vocals, and a recent swap, we've got Dorothy Ashby on harp. So that makes 11 players in total. Um, and, you know, we're, we're coping with the financial implications of this right now. Oh. We have been a lot higher in our numbers, especially when we had the entire Count Basie Big Band on board. Um, now, your task, Jess, is to remove one musician, if you fancy, but also bring in a new player. And they can be from any point in musical history. 
who should you like to add to the band? I'm just thinking, you know, if you were yes. to put Mark Juliana yes. on drums in that lineup, that that could be special. Yeah, that's perfect. So we're going to swap out Elvin and we're going to put in Mark. Great. Everyone is happy. It's not, we haven't, and we haven't added to the number. We haven't hit the, the dangerous yeah. 12, which is when I really start to get a financial fluster on. Uh, what a great choice. Love it, Jess. Yeah. Um, moreover, um, I just want to say thank you ever so much for being with us today. How can we keep up to date with your work? What, what have you got coming on? Have you got a busy 2022? Yeah, well, hopefully, if it all remains um, busy 2022, which I'm, sh- I'm sure we'll... Yeah, I'm sure we'll be okay. Um, but yeah, it's I have concerts and all kinds of coming up. I am on Instagram and I have a website if you'd like to find out about it. But yeah. What's your website? Sort of jessgillam.com type thing? or? Yep, jessgillamsax.co.uk. Nice, jessgillamsax.co.uk. You see what I did. I see what you did there. <laughs> so if you've liked what you've listened to, subscribe, just in case you were to miss an episode. Um, and if you want to know more about the Watford Jazz Junction, as I say, check out our website at watfordjazzjunction.com or follow us on our various social media. And you can always email us as well at jazzwatfordlive at gmail.com to say congratulatory things about the brilliance of the host. It is goodbye, the fantastic Jess. Hi, thank you so much. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Stay safe and always remember to connect with something new. Bye. Bye.